You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 352. In this episode, I talk to Jenny Fennick about why you need to take a stand with your business. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. In today's episode, I speak with Jenny Fennick. She's a spiritual business coach and brand strategist who helps her clients make money from their calling. After a successful corporate career, she created the Get Gutsy Coach Certification School and runs a podcast with the same name, where she teaches her listeners how to attract idle clients and take the next steps in their coaching business. Before we dive in, I want to tell you more about my biggest and boldest project to date. Research has shown that most five-year-old girls in the developed world no longer believe that they can make their dreams come true. When I was five, I still believed that I could make my dreams come true. The year before, women of Iceland had gone to the streets and protested gender inequality. Even though I was barely able to read, I realized what was going on. A five-year-old girl sees and realizes more than you think she does. By the time I could read, a women's party had been created in Iceland by the women that felt the current system wasn't doing anything about the inequality. The Women Party had women from the left, middle and right. It wasn't important what political view you had, it was more important that you were a woman who wanted equality. The Women Party in Iceland achieved their mission. Participation of women in parliament increased from 6% to 25% in the 15 years they were active. The Women's Party made me realize that we need role models. It doesn't matter what your political views are, but the fact that we are women and the world is not equal yet means that we need to work together to make it equal, just like the Women's Party in Iceland did in the 1980s and 1990s. Now, it is our turn to do this for female entrepreneurs. That's why I created the Self-Made Summit, so that we can change the world. Do you have your ticket yet? Super early bird tickets sold out in 48 hours and now early bird tickets are still available and there is very limited number of VIP tickets left. Go to the show notes at sigm.com forward slash 352 where you can find out more about the Selfmade Summit and secure your early bird ticket plus all the links to Jenny Fennick. I'm so excited to be here with Jenny Fennick and to talk about why and how we should take a stand. Jenny, welcome on the show. So excited to be here with you, Sigrun, and let's do this thing. Let's do it. So I always like to tell my listeners or those who watch this video later on that we're also recording uh, how I know my guests, because 95% of my guests are people that I've met or Facebook friends or something, typically not strangers from some podcast pitches. So we met at a workshop with Ali Brown earlier this year, 
and it was a content workshop and we were supposed to come up with bold statements, you know, have something that, uh, you know, would possibly be disruptive or people would disagree with. And I remember after this exercise, you stood up and I was like, yes, I like this. I want this woman to come on my show. So finally it's happening. And before we dive into that part of it, let's start with, uh, you know, what you do and, and, and your background. Like, I know what you're doing today and the listener is going to hear shortly about that. But I'm always curious, like, how does someone come to do what they do? Yeah, totally. I love that story too. And I love hearing other people's stories. So for me, I've always been a great communicator. Like I'm a great writer. I'm wonderful at just being able to get up in in a group and speak about kind of anything. I can figure out what position needs to be taken to advance something and I go and do that. I found my way to New York City by way of Florida. I grew up in the southern part of the United States. Never thought I'd do the New York thing, but because of mentors, right? People who are a few steps ahead of me on the journey, having gone to New York and were like, Jenny, you have to go do that. You must go do that. That's going to change your life. We were public relations majors at the time in college that I followed their advice. I said, okay, I trust them. They're ambitious like I am. They must be onto something. So I'm going to, I'll do the New York thing. I'll do an internship there and just you know, do it for a summer and then have my life in Florida. Cause that's really what I knew. I didn't know that New York was even really an option until they planted that seed. So I did, I did the New York thing, fell in love with the city, ended up coming back to the city after I graduated. The same firm hired me and I started my career in public relations. I worked on some of the biggest brands in the world, Kellogg's cereals, M&M candies, Pfizer. I worked on the Viagra campaign, which was just a wild adventure. And while it was enjoyable and I learned a ton and I worked with really smart people, I had this feeling like this can't be it. This can't be it for me because it just didn't feel as gratifying and satisfying and sustainable as my heart told me it needed to be for me to want to stay all in. I'm a woman who wants to work. I wanted to get married at some point if I were to meet that guy. And I thought maybe kids would be in the, in the distance. I wasn't that woman who said, well, I'm going to get married and then not work anymore. I have kids and not work anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not how I'm built. And I knew that that work wasn't just, it couldn't be it. And it was so heartbreaking to me because I'm, I majored in PR. Like I was president of my PR society in school. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not going to be doing this anymore. But I learned to trust that just to trust that inner voice, even if you're not quite sure where it's taking you. So I totally changed careers and I became a conference producer which I don't even know was a job, but I found it. I just was kind of in this desperate moment, like putting up my resume on those job sites. And I got a phone call from a conference production company telling me about this position. And they really liked my background because it was for their marketing and business strategy division. That was my love. Like I really love brands. I really do. I like when they are well-developed, they have a personality, there's an archetype, there's colors, there's like everything to me is really fascinating about that, but I needed to approach it from a different way. And so I really became a researcher when I went to that company. I interviewed executives, asking them about their biggest challenges, what was keeping them up at night. 
And gosh, did that prepare me to become an entrepreneur down the line, which I didn't know I'd be doing either. But from there, I created products. I created three-day products, three-day experiences that were premium priced. My job was to create the agenda. So I would create the content. I would decide these are the topics that are going to attract an audience to sign up for these events. I'm going to recruit the speakers. Most of them are corporate executives. But I did have some budget for my bigger events to higher on big keynote speakers. We had Tony Robbins. We had Tom Peters, who's a kind of management guy um, here, has written a ton of books. Colin Powell, former Secretary of State here in the United States. And wow, that experience really just changed my life because I saw what happens when you take research, you take pain points, and you create something that people want to buy and attend. And I also got a cut of the profits, which I never had experienced before. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to make money. (laughs) Because that was not, I didn't go into PR to become really wealthy. That's not the path you go on. (laughs) If you are like, I want to make all this money, I would have gone to work in finance or something. But that opened me up to oh, when you make certain decisions, it's going to have a different output. And I, again, the, the piece with the speakers is I saw these people seemingly loving what they're doing, just getting on stage, telling their story. I knew, especially for the keynotes, what we're paying them, you know, because I'm the one contracting for them to come to these events. I'm like, geez, they're making a lot of money to come and speak for an hour. Okay. And the same thing happened at that position. I had that voice inside that said, this isn't it you know, this isn't your end point. And it again was terrifying because I'm like, oh crap, now what do I do? I kind of had two different careers. I didn't want to just go work at another one of those companies because it wasn't going to scratch the itch. And so I just surrendered and I um, got honest with myself that there was this curiosity about going deeper into my yoga practice. And so I signed up for a yoga teacher training. I had turned 30 and I thought, there's something about this. I'm not quite sure what. I don't know if I want to be a yoga teacher, but I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I've learned everything there is to learn. And it was also very, very stressful. And the environment was, it wasn't very healthy. And again, just knew it couldn't be like the long-term play for me. So I followed that that nudge, signed up for yoga teacher training. During the end of that training, I walked into work one day and quit. I quit. I quit a six-figure job, just quit. Did not know what I was going to do next, but knew that I couldn't continue doing that because I didn't even have any space to figure out what to do next. I was under so much pressure to perform and produce. And from there, that was the game changer because soon after that, I discovered the field of coaching and I signed up for a coach training and built my business. And it's just been this wonderful, wild ride. And I got clear that I was here to serve women. And so my business serves women. Once I really learned what it was like, oh, to have a business, then I started helping women have businesses and specifically become coaches. And so my, my focus is really women coaches, creatives, wellness professionals who are wanting to take their craft and mix it with the power of technology and the internet to touch a lot more lives with their message and their gift. And I love it. Mm. Been a beautiful journey. So how long have you been doing coaching? Since 2008. And the world has changed since then. Yes, a lot. A lot. So what 
in your opinion, has changed in, in the world of coaching? It feels like when I got started, there weren't as many coaches as there are now. And so I think this year volume of coaches has changed, but that's not a bad thing. You know, it just means that people have heard this call. They realize it's an option. Like I love it when people realize that they want to become coaches. Many of them come and join my school. I have a coach certification program, which I'm really proud of. So yes, the, the numbers of coaches have, has risen, but I also feel like because the, the concept of coaching is now more of a common thing. There's a lot of people out there who call themselves coaches and don't really know what that is. And so they don't necessarily represent the field of coaching in the best way, in the way that it was designed to be done. Okay. It is, it's a field. It's a craft. It's not just the single, I think I'll call myself a coach. And there's a lot of great marketers out there who are better marketers than coaches. And so that's what, what I saw happening in the market several years ago. It was back in 2015. I saw an issue. I kind of saw this like implosion happening. I'm going, this isn't, this isn't good. I'm watching what's going on. But from two ways, one was there's great coaches who come out of these like traditional old school coaching programs. You know, I came through one of those myself and it teaches you how to be a fabulous coach. Like you're really good. You're really good. You have that skill set. You understand how to listen. You understand that you're not there to give like your client every single answer under the sun. Certainly you can wear various hats. There's a consultant hat. There's a coaching hat. Again, they're all different modalities that we need to understand. But a lot of those coaches, they don't understand how to market. They don't understand how to create a business. They don't understand how to have a solid message, how to even receive money. Like I always talk to clients sometimes, well, do you have a way for them to pay you? <laughs> like, what, how, where, are you set up? Like, what's, what's your situation here? No, it's not just accepting checks. Like, we've got to get you established. So we have that issue going on. Great coaches, but they're never going to make it in business because they don't understand business yet. And then we have the other side, which is these fabulous marketers. They've got the Facebook ads down. They've got their funnel. They've got, you know, they're blowing up social media and they call themselves a coach, but then they burn clients because they don't really understand what a coach even does. Okay. And so that pissed me off. That really pissed me off. And I kept waiting for someone else to do something about it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, someone's going to get that handled. <laughs> They're on the case. Someone's going to get handled. And it just, I just kept seeing it over and over and over again. And the thing is, is when you're a leader and when you're an entrepreneur, you notice gaps in the market and you notice where there is an issue. And then if you're really called to do something about it, you'll do it. And so I did. And so that's when I created my coaching school to really solve that, solve that problem and to teach people how to not only be an incredible coach and understand why you were called to this, because it is a calling. It's an absolute calling. But then how do you create a business doing this that's aligned with your own desires and the way that you are best suited to serve. Not everyone needs to have like a gazillion followers on Instagram and have the programs with, you know, all the people like some coaches are called for more boutique bespoke type of experiences where maybe you just do, you know, group coaching programs with like, you know, higher end 10 people in them at a time. And maybe you want to do retreats like smaller abroad, you know, something really exotic and, and luxurious, or maybe it's something different, but that's the conversation point that I like to bring up because, you know, one size fits all model doesn't really work for anything. So let's, let's just talk about 
the future of coaching because it is a beautiful thing, but we need to be really smart about how we're, how we're doing this. No, there isn't one size fits all. And that's, that's a shame because actually the clients are always looking for processes and systems and step-by-step. And then often in the marketing message, you kind of have to bring something forth like that. But ultimately, we all know there's no one size fits all. Someone wants to build an empire and other ones you said as a boutique. So there's a different approach to that. But besides, uh, you know, let's say what pisses me off is, you know, yes, I have a Dale Carnegie certification. So I did not go to one of these traditional uh, coaching schools, but obviously I learned coaching just in a different uh, program. But still, I have, for instance, never cared with my mentors, whether they are certified or not. It's more about, do I like their way of guiding people? And do they have the credibility? Like they have, they actually run a business before they call themselves a business coach. So I think that's where my beef is up more with that, that the experience isn't there. And lots of good marketeers just suddenly are business coaches because they're successful with their own business, but they haven't never run another business, another type of business. So how are they going to help find that one size fits all for, you know, not one size fits all for the clients? Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with that. And I don't think people have to go through any certain type of coaching school. You find the program, find a mentor that who really resonates with you. Like my coaching school, we do have a certification option, but it's optional. Like people want to do it if they want to do it, but it's not quote required. My point is to honor the craft, you know, honor the craft. And then for anyone who's searching for a coach is to understand what has been their path and do you vibe with them? But to your point, I see a lot of people kind of newer coaches who their business isn't really even that far along, but they call themselves a business coach or they work with entrepreneurs because they think they have to. They think that that's the way that they're going to make money. And you need to have integrity around that. There's plenty of ways to make money. And it's not just by helping other people make money or grow their business. I mean, you and I both know Sigrun people who have huge businesses that are health and wellness, that are things around spirituality. Like there's just so many different options when it comes to businesses. So for those of you out there who are, you know, coaches don't feel like, well, the only way I can make money is if I call myself a business coach, but you're not really solid around that. Like do the thing that you're called here to do, do the thing and then create that community. That's the key. Are you creating a community, people who want to show up, they want to listen to you, they want to learn from you about whatever it is that you're freaking teaching. There's so many directions you can go in, but it's almost like a lazy approach if you're like, I'll just call myself a business coach because like that's what people pay for. No, like you have to be, that's that specific calling as well, but do that because you have the chops, like you've been down the road, you've fallen in some holes and you really bring that depth of knowledge and wisdom to your clients. So once people have built that community, you also talked about, you need to stand for something. What, where, where, where did that, because this was the discussion we had when we met in March, that this is one thing that really frustrates you about the industry that people are just in it to make money or whatever they're doing, but they're not really taking a stand or, or have a mission beyond just building their business. Totally, totally. And listen, building a business is 
it's a lot. So don't, I don't want to diminish that because it is. It's it can feel sometimes like it takes all of you to show up for that. And so I just send so much love and validation and encouragement to everyone out there building businesses. I get it. But yeah, so when you and I met, we were in this really powerful room with uh, one of our coaches, Allie Brown, and she really encouraged us and created the space for us to get freaking honest. I mean, that's it. And I, I'm so grateful for these businesses that we have. And, you know, when you're a coach, you kind of can say whatever you want. Like this is this, you know, this realm that we can be real. We're not working for some other company that we need to get our messages vetted and like approved by seven people before we can go live with it. And I've been in those environments before, trust me. And that was so not me. I'm like, I feel muzzled. I feel trapped. And so when we have our own thing, we can be real about the message that we feel called to deliver. What came through for me when we were doing this work that was just, had been on my heart for some time was that not only do we have this awesome opportunity to build a business, but we have a responsibility to use the platform that we have been given. I mean, let's just be real. Yes, we've, we've created it and we've shown up for it, but we've also been given this platform and we have a responsibility to use it, to speak up about things that are effed up, (laughs) that are effed up in this world. You can't just kind of like, Oh, I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to talk about that because it's, um, kind of uh, controversial or it could piss people off or it might hurt some people's feelings or some people might disagree with me because they have a different opinion. That's the point. We must be willing to have an opinion and take a stand for those issues that we believe need talking about, that we can use our platform to shine a light on them. So what came through me was this, women leaders who don't use their platform to take a stand for social issues, social justice, things that you see that are really going in the wrong direction in the world. If you aren't willing to use your platform to take that stand, then you don't deserve a platform. That's just what came through. And it's bold and it's edgy. And, you know, some people be like, well, you know, screw you. And I remember sharing it with some colleagues and they were like, whoa, they were like, wait, hold on. Like, hold, hold your horses on that. What, what do you mean by that? And they were, you know, I did, I ruffled some feathers with that. And I said to them, that's the point. <laughs> like, that's the point. And they're like, well, we we're nervous. Like, what if people, you know, say things to you or come like, that's okay. That's okay. I'm cool with that. Listen, y'all, if we're not here in our businesses to put up pretty pictures on social media and thumbs up and like spanning out our money and, you know, showing our awesome outfits and stuff like, listen, that's fun. And those are some of the cool things that can happen for us on this path and on this journey. But the people who really get my heart and get my attention, the ones that you're going to be talking about for generations to come, the ones that we're still talking about who have long since passed, they're the ones who took that bold stand. They're the ones who were willing to be misunderstood. They're the ones who, you know, were willing to be kind of lightning rods for things because that's our responsibility. That's really our responsibility. So that's my, that's my rally cry for everyone. That's my invitation for you all. You know, I live in the United States 2020 is going to be huge for us and wherever anyone else is located in in your world. I mean, nothing's ever perfect. We all have things that are kind of tricky, you know, tricky. But 
I'm going to do my part to shine a light on issues. You know, I speak up about my position on guns and that we have a major issue with guns in this country, in the United States. And every time I do, I have people who disagree with me. I have people who disagree with me. That's okay. That's okay because I want to make sure I've done my part not just to talk about coaching and business and getting your social media on point or getting a podcast going or anything like that's fine. That's something I bring to the table. But if I ignore these other issues, then what am I really doing here? Yeah. Well, we learned, I guess you learned it too, that you shouldn't mix politics with business. Like this was like a unspoken rule. And I remember when the current president of the United States got elected, that was the first time I actually sent an email to my list about politics. And you don't even live in this country. Yes, yes. I was in Lisbon at a conference, Web Summit. It actually came up at the summit because in the tech world, nobody was expecting this conclusion. And so it was a two or three day conference and the results came right in the middle. And I remember somehow we have forgotten the TV on and I wake up at 6 a.m. and just like open up my eyes. I see CNN and I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like, no. And I go back to bed. I'm like, this was just a nightmare <laughs> or something. I had a same experience. <laughs> so I think five days later, I wrote an email without mentioning any names, but I said, I've been going through the five stages of grief. You know, denial and all those paths. I Googled the stages, of course, I didn't know them by heart, but good, smart. But it was pretty much it. And I remember getting two emails. This was only my newsletter, two emails that from clients, paying clients that had voted for the president and did not like that I said this. Yeah. One left my world, the other one stayed on. And actually, I'm pretty sure like 99.9% that she's changed her mind since then, based on what has happened. But what do you say to someone that still thinks you can't mix politics and business? Business is politics and politics is business. Don't freaking get that mistaken. And that's honestly a message from the patriarchy that because they're saying that to us women. Because they know that we're the troublemakers. They know we're the ones who are going to shake stuff up because we're going to be like, wait, hold up. And trust me, I got that message too. And I believed that for a long time. I am blessed to have wonderful in-laws. And my mother-in-law, they both are very politically aware. And they're also quite liberal. And I remember when you know, when I first started dating Stephen and then we got married and we'd go out to dinner and my mother-in-law would be like, what do you think about blah, blah? It would be like, you know, some issue that's going on. I'm like, I don't. Like, I don't know anything about that. I'm just doing my thing. You know, it's kind of had my blinders on and I'm working in those jobs in New York City and I just, I didn't have time. I didn't make time for it. And I thought, oh, this doesn't really affect me. And I'm in my twenties. Like, I just wasn't, I didn't follow current events as much. And it just felt kind of a no-win game. It felt kind of ugly. It felt like, what's the point? But that became not an okay thing for me. Once I, and honestly, was I became a mother too. I have three kids. And I think about things differently now. And my eyes have become a lot 
more open. And I don't believe that we have an option to just say like, well, I don't follow anymore. Or I think so, a lot of people, and I have a lot of you know spiritual type people in my world, there's an element of bypassing that can go on when you just say, well, I don't want to look at that. It's just negative. I'll keep my vibe high and I won't look at all of these things. And that's, there's a level of privilege in that as well. I mean, I'm a white woman, but I am not going to close my eyes to the issues that are going on in the world. That would be easy for me to do. That would be really, really easy. It'd be super convenient because I wouldn't have to talk about this stuff. I wouldn't have to risk, you know, having some clients not like what I say or someone on my list being like, screw you, I'm leaving you forever. But I just, I can't anymore. I just can't. And so I've made a choice to, you know, invest in causes that I care about. And that's something that my business helps me do. You know, we give to various organizations who are doing really powerful things on the ground for, you know, people of color, for groups that have been, you know, come in at a disadvantage straight out of the gate. Like, what can we do to really bring a level of awareness and a level of support to, initiatives that we know are making the world better and stronger. Like that's what I want us all to look at. And don't let anyone, if you're called, I know some people are listening to this right now. If you're called to speak up about something, don't let anyone tell you that you can't mix that. And then also the point that I pisses me off every time when let's just talk about that gun control issue again, or just the gun. I mean, we have a freaking issue in the United States. Anyone who says we doesn't, that we don't, I'm just like, I can't. But when someone after, you know, a shooting, which ha- they, it happens here all the time, uh, when someone says, this is not the time to, you know, talk about politics, like, we need to wait. Well, what's the time frame? Can we wait, you know, five days after the shooting? Like, what's the, you know, I just think that's such bullshit. I actually read this great book by um, Shannon Watts. I just want to give a shout out for the book. It's called Fight Like a Mother. She is the founder of, call it Mom's Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. It's a really incredible book. It's about creating a grassroots campaign for your cause, you know, which you can take a lot of those lessons and apply it to a business. It's not, you know, maybe a cause necessarily. Although I think what you're doing has a cause related to Zigrin me as well. So that book was awesome. And I, I wanted to really understand what she did. She was a mom of four, at that point, a stay-at-home mom who just couldn't handle another mass freaking shooting at a school, especially. And so she created a Facebook group. (laughs) She created, oh, it was a Facebook page. It was actually a Facebook page. And it just, she called it like 1 million moms for, you know, like gun control or something like that. And the thing just freaking took off and it's continued to evolve. Now they partner with um, Every Town, which was founded by Michael Bloomberg. And so it's just, and she's quoted in the media all the time. If you see her name, Shannon Watts, like, that's her. She created this. And I learned a lot from reading that book, like how to handle when people come at you, when you put your position out there. And I, it's come in handy, even with family members. Because <laughs> that's the thing too, I want everyone to know, not everyone's going to be for you. Not everyone's going to be for your message. If you're waiting for everyone to be for you before you say the thing, you're going to be waiting forever. It's not going to happen. And it, it does hurt sometimes when, oh my gosh, like this relative came at me or this person I thought was going to be really on my team is not. Not everyone can go with you. Not everyone can go with you on the journey, but make sure that you are with you. Make sure you haven't lost yourself 
in the quest to be you know, the most popular person in the room or the most liked person. That's not what this is about. We are here to be bold and courageous. Gosh, having a business, yeah, you got to be those things. But if you really want your message to have an impact, which I believe that all of us here, that's really what we want because the message helps spur action, right? That's our invitation and really our initiation when we say yes to going through that. It's a true rite of passage when you really drill down and uh, get clear on who you're for and who you're not for. A lot of women are afraid to take a stand because of the backlash they might receive, not just from, let's say, in this case, uh, you know, I my email list, I was not too worried about it. It's more like the online trolls and, you know, people that maybe don't have no idea what you're trying to achieve, but they just, you know, push back in, in, in a way that might hurt. So then some women, especially women, I think women are attacked more than men, which is another huge issue. You know, we have Gary V. We don't have a female Gary V for obvious reasons, uh, which is related to this. Like a woman who would speak like him would not get away with it as much, both from men and women. So What do you say to someone who's just scared of putting their message out? Well, I would say to you, I see you. I see you and I feel you. And the fear is, I can't remember who the person who said this quote, but the fear is a paper tiger. It's a paper tiger. And you think it's the biggest tiger ever. It's going to come kill you and you're dead and you're done and it's chasing you into the woods. But that fear is a paper tiger. When you get to the end of your life, when you get to the end of your life, you're not going to be bummed about the thing that you did. You're going to be bummed about the things that you didn't do. All right. So we never know when we're going to go. And I think I bring this kind of, I won't say I'm fearless. Certainly I have my stuff that kind of stops me in my tracks and has me ruminate. But, you know, my sister died when I was a teenager. She was 12. I was 16. That was the hardest thing that I've, I've gone through. But it was the most powerful thing as well. And I'm so grateful for the experience because I learned at a very young age, it can all be over today, tomorrow, next week. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? We're not always going to be liked. You have to have a great circle. Okay. And so I know you believe in this very much, Sigrun, so do I. Like you got, you have to have your people, like your inner circle, the ones who they have your back no matter what, because you can move into this feeling in your body where you feel unsafe. And that's the scary part is like your body just starts feeling like you're under attack, you're under siege. If you have a history of anxiety, depression, panic, that stuff can get activated very much. And so I'm such a believer in having that circle, your people who understand what you're going through because they also do it. You know, it's like, you know, having a crew of entrepreneurs that you can travel the the road with is crucial, as is having your own wellness practice, you know, really ensuring that you're in your body and that you know what's real, like the feelings that are real in your body versus the feelings that are coming through kind of this, this lens that is the critic, like the inner critic. Honestly, the inner critic is going to be worse for you than any of what someone else could say. Like what I can say to myself is heads and shoulders worse than like what anyone else could say. Certainly some people's words can sting, but I'd rather be cool with me than 
you know, someone else being cool with me. And so that's what I just want to remind everybody of. Um, but to that point of self-care, like I, I freaking exercise when I get into those places where I feel a little, you know, stuck or I feel like, oh no, this person said something that was really, you know, mean spirited. I just sweat that out. (laughs) I just sweat that out and I keep on trucking. And I, what you all have to do is to figure out whose opinions really matter to you. Whose opinions? It doesn't need to be a lot of people. Okay. It's like the inner circle. Certainly we want, you know, our clients and our community to feel, you know, inspired by us and energized by us and want to continue on this road. But there comes a point where some people, you know, you're going to, you're going to take that fork in the road. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Scared of backlash, but also like scarcity versus abundance. Like, especially with someone maybe starting out feeling like, well, will I alienate everybody if I start to really put out my message? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think you can be smart about this. Like when I put things out there, and I remember specifically as well during um, our last election when the results came through and I was just like, I had the same experience. I'm like, no, I, I fell asleep because, you know, I was expecting, like I wore my white to go vote. My daughter took her. I was like, yes, we're voting for the first female president in the United States. This is so exciting. And, and then I ended up like, going to bed because it was taking the turn. I was like, no, okay. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I kind of checked and I'm like, no, this is, no, they haven't tallied it up correctly. It's not done yet, you know? And so, and I was uh, working with several clients in a particular program at that stage and realized that not everyone voted for the same person I voted for, okay? And so I don't believe that I have to make someone wrong for their choice. Okay. I think there's a lot of that that goes on in the world. And it politics is unfortunate because there's a clear, like, it's kind of what you see in sports. You're either on this team or you're on this team. You've got it right or you've got it wrong. And I'm clear on the team that I'm on, but so much of what we see is just, it's like immature. You know, you're kind of watching it going, really? We're why like you guys are in charge? Like how did this happen? But I am looking at the way I put my message out there. I'm not there to alienate someone or say like, you're a freaking idiot if you do this or you disagree with me. It's more what I'm doing is showing my people how to take a position, how to take a position. It's like I'm being that that example I love to teach. And if I'm really willing to go out there and do it. I want them to go take their position. And you know what? They might take a position on something that I disagree with, but I'm freaking pumped they took a position. But can you do it in a compassionate way? Can you do it in a way where you're being respectful? I believe in taking the high road. We don't see that always going on. And especially now, I think that's my issue is I see so much of like leadership where I'm like, I would do the exact opposite. Okay. I'm going to do the opposite of that. And there's a powerful lesson in that as well. It's like, what kind of leader are you? Can you put your position out there without vilifying the other party? All right. And I feel, especially in the US, we we have not seen that going on over the last few years. But gosh, I'm actually grateful for it because I see, especially with our young people, so much more engagement, so much more focused on what's going on in the world. And that's 
that was not my experience coming up when I was younger because it was just a different world back then. And so, yes, I understand that some people are afraid of alienating and, and pushing away, but I would just challenge you to be kind in your message, be strong, be firm in your message, and be the type of leader that you want to see more of in the world. Okay, and we can do that through our business. It's such a wonderful time to be alive. It really is. We have issues, but there's always been issues. They'll continue to be issues because we're dealing with like humans, right? And we can't control everybody and have them do exactly what we want them to do. But I believe that our business, especially for us coaches, we have such a wonderful opportunity to be the change that we wish to see in the world and to show our clients that this can be done and to encourage them to do their part, to take a stand for the various issues and, and concepts that they want to shine that light on. I think it also actually will help the business. So it's the opposite. Like the worry is that it will alienate clients and you will lose clients or not get clients. But someone that takes a stand, you feel, that's at least my experience, I feel more attracted to those people versus a bland message where I'm not sure where do they stand. Yes. Oh, you're spot on. Yeah. Certain people won't want to hire you because they don't like what you're saying, but the ones who do, they're going to be freaking running through your doors and telling their friends about you as well. It's refreshing when you see someone being clear about who they are and what they stand for. Even if you're like, I have certain people and they might have a different lifestyle than me, but I'm like, I love them. They're so who they are. It's like, I think that's what we want. We want, can you be who you are? And can you trust that that's enough? You know, that's enough. And especially for women, we've been, a lot of us were trained and taught that you just kind of shape shift yourself into the environment that you're in. You don't want to stand out too much. You don't, you don't want to ruffle those feathers because, and to be real, we couldn't do that, you know, a few centuries ago. Like that was dangerous. That's why the fear is still there in our body because we were persecuted. You know, many, many of us were burned at the stake. Like this happened. This is real. And I believe that we have the residual effects of that, that passed on trauma. Some people call the witch wound. Okay. It's in us. And so I don't want to discount that. It's real. That's why you need the support like we talked about. But gosh, don't you want to create a community where you can be yourself and they can be themselves and together you do the damn thing? That to me is, that's heaven. You know, that's bliss. That's when you've achieved the thing that we all really want, which is the, the opportunity to live truthfully. That is a wonderful ending, Jenny, on our beautiful conversation, which we can, could do forever. But we need to wrap it up. And where can people find you online? Yeah, thank you. This was so fun. It was great. You're an awesome host. I like going back and forth with you. It's such a great way to spend a, spend some time today. So jennyfennig.com is the home base. I'd love to offer a, a free gift for your audience, Sigrun. Okay. And so, you know, a big part of my passion and my message as well is, is no matter what you've got going on in your life, you can create the space and the time to make an impact, right? And so to achieve that, um, the impact that you want, the money that you want, and the time freedom that 
we all desire as well. We all have lives. We have lives outside of, of the business and the work. And so I have a reclaim your time template. This is this process. It was actually kind of originally Allie Brown planted the seed with me years and years ago because the whole time thing is also not really a conversation that happens in like some of the old structures, like the masculine type structures. Cause it's just like, here's the deal. Like you're showing up here Monday through Friday until the work gets done. And that's that. And once you become an entrepreneur, it's like, you get to decide how you want to work, when you want to work, where you want to work and with whom. And so I created this tool to show you how to chunk your time, batch your tasks, get really smarter about how to make some big traction in your business. And I think we've talked about Sigrun. I homeschool. We homeschool our kids. They're out there with one of their teachers right now. We have a whole little system here. But gosh, without me doing this work around time, I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, my business would have just, you know, I would have been like, I'm out, peace out. This isn't going to work. So yeah, that's jennyfennig.com slash schedule. Everyone can check that out. Jennyfennig.com slash schedule. Enjoy it. Fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jenny. Finally, we did it after all these months. Hooray. And I'm excited to see more people take a stand with this message. Thank you. Early bird tickets for the Self-Made Summit are now available. Super early bird tickets sold out in 48 hours. Grab your early bird ticket now. Go to the show notes at sig.com forward slash 352, where you can find out more about the Self-Made Summit and secure your early bird ticket, plus all the links to Jenny Fennick. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle sigruncom and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.